And welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 261 on this Friday, April 20th. Glad to have you with us today. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. This is KHMG 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. Glad to have you with us today on our little live, local, talk and variety program. We hope to entertain you a little bit. This is a light-hearted look at life this afternoon. We hope to educate you and edify you in your Christian walk, build you up in your Christian walk, give you a nice alternative this Friday afternoon as you're driving around in your car, or maybe you're sitting at your desk at work. You know, a lot of people listen online. You go to khmg.org. You don't have to have a radio to listen to the radio anymore, believe it or not. khmg.org. And you can just click on the listen button right there. You'll listen right there from your phone, tablet, computer. You can download different apps that also allow you to listen to our live stream. And you can download this podcast after the fact. A few hours after our live broadcast on Friday evenings, we put a link up on our Facebook page. And you can listen to the podcast there. You can download it also by subscribing to our podcast. So a lot of different ways for you to listen. Let us know you're listening through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Follow us. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of this show and many other shows that we produce. Speaking of many other shows we produce, we have a bunch of them on our website, khmg.org, khmg.org. Building Great Leaders with Dr. Les Olala. Living Redemptively with Dr. Douglas McLaughlin. Harvest Echoes. Take Note. Harvest Time, Heart of Harvest, and more are all available via podcasts, which you can download through our website, khmg.org. We have a lot of sermons archived there that you can look up by passage or speaker or topic, and it's a great resource for you to be able to have different preaching and teaching programs are going to help build you up in your Christian walk, maybe help answer a few questions you have. So I'd encourage you to go to khmg.org and check out all of those things. You know, today I'm experiencing the vicissitudes of live talk radio. Yeah, that's what I said, vicissitudes. Don't you use that word every day? It means the ups and downs. What happened is I typed a paper recently and I submitted it to the professor. And then I looked back at my own paper about a week later And I noticed that the word vicissitudes was in my paper. And I know I didn't type that because I didn't know what vicissitudes meant. I mean, maybe I've heard that at some point. But I've never used that word before. And what happened was the grammar app that I used changed the phrase ups and downs to vicissitudes. Vicissitudes officially means 
a change of circumstances or fortune typically that is unwelcome or unpleasant, an alternation between opposites or contrasting things, the vicissitudes. So anyway, apparently I use the word vicissitudes now, so I want to make sure that I use it frequently so it becomes part of my vocabulary so the professor doesn't think that I just used that to impress him on my paper, which I didn't. It was an accidental, huh. then you can tell I definitely don't use words like that, accidental vicissitude usage. Anyway, hey, you know what? It's April. What's happening in April? This list is provided to us by none other than Bob the Librarian. Happy birthday. A couple days past his 65th birthday, so Bob, happy birthday. Last Friday was Hug a Librarian today. You know what? It could be Hug a Librarian Month, so if you're anywhere near... Bob the Librarian, just give him a big old squeeze for his birthday. Now, here you go. April is Mathematics Education Month, Month of the Military Child, the Young Child Month, Multicultural Communication, African American Women's Fitness, Anxiety Month, Autism Awareness, BLT, like bacon, lettuce, and tomato, Sandwich, Card and Letter Writing Month, Child Abuse Prevention, Decorating Month, Distracted Driver Awareness, Donate Life, Facial Protection, Financial Capability, Florida Tomato, or Tomato, Food Month, Frog Month, Garden Month, Garlic Month, Greyhound Adoption, Grilled Cheese, unless you're Chris Harper and you like the cheese zombie sandwich instead. Uh, Let's see, Heartworm Awareness, Humor Month, National Kite Month, and then Knuckles Down Month. So these are all different observances of this month. And then, of course, we have these Weekly observances. There's a lot of weekly observances right now. Global Youth Service Day starts today. Infant Immunization, Money Smart, National Parks, Chemists Celebrate Earth, Medical Laboratory Professionals, Administrative Professionals Week. That's coming up on the 22nd. Air Quality, Bed Bug Awareness, Fibroid Awareness, International Dark Sky, National Princess Week starts on the 22nd. Library Preservation, Sky Awareness, Environmental Education Week starts on the 23rd, as well as Playground Safety, uh, and Immunization Week. Those are all happening over this next week. And finally, the daily observances. Today is the 20th. Chinese Language Day, Lima Bean Respect Day, because lima beans don't get respect normally. They have to set apart one day of the year where they're given special respect. So respect the succotash, which is what lima beans, that's one of the dishes you can put lima beans in. Look-alike day, day of silence. Pineapple upside down cake, pro-life t-shirt day. Teach children to save the day, and UN Chinese language day. Tomorrow, astronomy day, auctioneer's day, husband appreciation day. Everyone hear that? Husband appreciation day. Kindergarten Day, it's also Husband Appreciation Day tomorrow. Uh, National uh, Chocolate-Covered Cashew Truffle Day. National Tea Day, like T-E-A. The Queen's Birthday. Uh, Record Store Day. San Jacinto Day. School Librarian Day is tomorrow. Uh, Spring Astronomy Day. And it's also uh, National Husband Appreciation Day tomorrow. The 22nd. Chemists Celebrate Earth, Earth Day, Girl Scout Leader Appreciation Day, and God We Trust Day. Uh, let's see. National Jelly Bean Day is on the 22nd, and Oklahoma Day. 
23rd, Army Reserve's birthday, Canada Book Day, Confederate Memorial Day in Alabama, Florida, and Georgia, English Language Day, Impossible Astronaut Day, and International Marconi Day. It's also, let's see here, Movie Theater Day, Cherry Cheesecake Day, one of my favorite types of cheesecake, National English Muffin Day, that is really good as well, Lost Dog Awareness, Picnic Day, St. George's Day, uh, the State Holiday for Georgia, Take a Chance Day, Talk Like Shakespeare Day is coming up on the 23rd, UN English Language Day, World Book and Copyright Day, World Book Night. The 24th is Fashion Revolution Day, Pigs in a Blanket Day. Uh, let's see here. World Day for Animals and Laboratories and Meningitis Day. The 25th, Administrative Professional Days, Anzac Day. That's Australia and New Zealand Day. DNA Day, East Meets West Day, Hairstyles Appreciation. Guide Dog Day, Malaria Awareness, Golf Day, Manny Petty Day, goes along with the uh, administrative professionals for some, Plumber's Day, Zucchini Bread Day, uh, let's see, Red Hat Society, World Malaria and World Penguin Day, the 26th, Audubon Day, Hug a Friend Day, Hug an Australian Day, International Chernobyl Disaster Remembrance Day, uh, Girls and in Information Technology Day, National Help a Horse Day, National Kids and Pets Day, Pretzel Day, uh, let's see, Richter Scale Day, the State Holiday of Florida, Take Your Daughters and Sons to Work Day, and Intellectual Property Day, to name a few. So there are a lot of things happening in the month of April. Some of them are minor celebrations. Some of them might even be a little bit contrived. And then some, of course, are, you know, very special, very important. One thing that happened in history that I did want to at least bring up, I wanted to ask you, we're going to have this day in history in a little bit with Lawrence Dangas, but where were you when the Oklahoma City bombings happened? So the Oklahoma City bombings happened on uh, April 19th, 1995. Where were you? When they happened, that was yesterday. Where were you when the Oklahoma City bombings happened? Here's some fast facts about the Oklahoma City bombings. Uh, the bombings killed 168 people, including 19 children. More than 500 people were injured. Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols were convicted of the attack. The federal building was later raised, and a, and a park and memorial were built on the site. Oklahoma City National Memorial Museum has 168 stones. And glass chairs placed in rows on a lawn, one for each victim. Let's see. Both McVeigh and Nichols were former U.S. Army soldiers. Uh, let's see here. What else? McVeigh claimed he targeted the building in Oklahoma City to average the raid uh, to avenge the raid in Waco, Texas. And basically, it's just a very terrible day. I was. On April 19th, 1995, I was approaching the last couple months of being on active duty in the Air Force. And we were in San Antonio, Texas. I remember we had to lock down everything because they weren't sure what kind of terrorist attack that was. And I remember watching that on the news, being in San Antonio, Texas, just one state away from Oklahoma and being in a military facility similar to the federal facility that that was the victim of the bombing, and watching kind of how that all unfolded is very interesting. 
very sad. And so don't mean to be a downer, but that did happen. It was a very important day in American history. It changed the way many things have been done in the United States since that time, since 1995. So where were you when that happened? Very interesting, right? Well, let's take a short break. We're also going to listen to a little Harvest Highlights. Take a short break. Come back. This day in history, what's in my coffee, Stranger Than Fiction, Sebastian's Quiz, and more here on Live Till 5. You're listening to us on 88.1 FM, KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, 316 p.m. on this Friday, April 20th. More Live Till 5 after this short break and Harvest Highlights. more live till five it's friday april 20th 3 23 p.m here at the khmg studios experiencing the vicissitudes of live local talk and variety radio programming the vicissitudes the ups and downs the apparent contradictory things that happen when you're live on the radio it only takes hitting one button or or tapping one little piece of equipment and all of a sudden Everything's just gone. And you're trying to talk and scramble all at the same time. Good thing that's not happening to me today. But that's happened many times. And the show is still young. We still have an hour and 35 minutes left, so anything could happen. Let me talk a little bit about a happy little accident. This is from the book Accidents May Happen, 50 Inventions Discovered by Mistake by Charlotte Foltz-Jones. Thank you, Helen, for giving me this book. This happy little accident was a dose of medicine. Do you need to have a tooth pulled, an appendix removed, or a cut stitched up? A couple of centuries ago, surgery was pretty grim. If you couldn't stand the pain, and who couldn't, there were several options. You could be frozen, beaten senseless, asphyxiated, pumped full of alcohol, or given a piece of wood to bite down on. But in the 1800s, things changed. New gases had been discovered, ether and nitrous oxide, which was called laughing gas because it made people who inhaled it sing, laugh, act silly, or fight. At first, these gases were mainly used for entertainment at parties called ether frolics or laughing gas parties. That'd be quite a party. Also, So-called professors traveled from town to town giving public lectures. They administered ether or nitrous oxide to a volunteer, and that person's hilarious behavior made the audience laugh. Hence the name laughing gas, right? I continue in the book Accidents May Happen by Charlotte Foltz-Jones. At one of these demonstrations, an accident occurred. In 1844, in Hartford, Connecticut, a professor named Colton asked for someone to inhale nitrous oxide. Samuel Cooley volunteered, but he soon became violent, tripped, and fell. When he went back to his seat, someone noticed that Cooley was bleeding from his fall. Horace Wells, a dentist, had come to the demonstration with Cooley. He realized that Cooley felt no pain from his fall, and he reasoned that the gas might deaden the pain, the patient's pain, while he performed dental work. Wells began testing the gas as he breathed some nitrous oxide and had fellow dentists pull one tooth. 
The procedure went so well that Wells decided to give a demonstration at a university. He was probably excited and eager to prove the success of the gas. After giving a patient some gas, Wells began to remove the patient's tooth. The gas had not taken effect, and the patient screamed out in pain. The audience of the students hissed and drove Wells away in disgrace. Wells, however, still felt confident that the gas would be effective, and he continued to use it in his practice. Another dentist, William T.G. Morton, learned of Wells' use of nitrous oxide. He tried some on his patients. Then his partner, Charles T. Jackson, suggested using ether. So Morton extracted a tooth from a patient on September 30, 1846, using ether. Still another person, Dr. Crawford W. Long in Jefferson, Georgia, said he had seen a slave lose consciousness yet breathe normally after inhaling ether. Long claimed that on March 30, 1842, he used ether as an anesthesia while removing a tumor from a patient's neck. He continued using ether on patients but never publicized his discovery. So four doctors claimed to be the first to use ether or nitrous oxide to dull pain. The U.S. Congress offered $100,000 to the person who discovered anesthesia. But since it could not be decided who should receive the award, Congress never paid the money. The American Dental Association and the American Medical Association finally decided that Horace Wells was the discoverer of anesthesia in the United States. So, there you go. Kind of by accident that that happened. Aren't we all glad that they discovered anesthesia? Here's something. We have a number of listeners out there. Thank you, all of you faithful listeners. People have been listening. There's 261 episodes under our belts, and many people have been listening for a long time. Some people are more recent listeners. People contribute content to our show. I'll get emails. I'll have people come up and just say, hey, you should use this. And some of the Stranger Than Fiction stories I'm going to use today are submitted by some of our listeners. This here, this whole next segment, submitted by one of our younger listeners. And so all of you younger listeners out there, if you have something to submit to the show, you think, oh, this would be fun if Jared talked about it, hey, get it to me. Send it through the Facebook Messenger. Go to Harvest Family Radio Guam and send me a Facebook message with the content. Send me an email through the khmg.org website. There's a Contact Us button there. Come up, handwrite it, and give it to me in person, like this young man, Troy, did. Now, Troy gave me a list of superstitions. These are things that he found, uh, I believe, from Mythbusters. And uh, I want to share these with you today because he put a lot of work into this. It's really good. So these are crazy superstitions that people have. Obviously, these are not true. There's no reason to put any merit in these. But people are superstitious. And so, for example... Uh, some people believe it's unlucky to wear a suit for the first time on a Monday. Hmm. How about this? Have the uh, first person you meet be left-handed on a Tuesday. Or be born on a Wednesday. How can you even help that? See your first spring flower on a Thursday. Begin a boat trip on a Friday. Leave the hospital on a Saturday. Or cut your fingernail. cut your fingernails on a Sunday. Those are all superstitions people have. Other superstitions, uh, both good and bad. Uh, let's see here. Pick up a penny, heads up, is good luck. But tails, picking up a penny that's tails up, is bad luck, according to superstitious people. It's unlucky to spill salt, okay? So you have to immediately take the salt and throw it over your shoulder, or else it's bad luck, according to people that are superstitious. 
Uh, let's see here. How about the black cat superstition? Have you ever seen people get upset about a black cat crossing their path? Yeah, that's a superstition out there. Walking under a ladder? They used to, I think when people would go to the gallows, they'd make them walk under the ladder before they'd be hung. And so it is supposed to just be that extra bad luck. We don't believe in that. If I did, there are ladders set up here at Harvest all the time. One is is semi-regularly attached to the stairway behind the church building, and you have to walk under the ladder constantly. We don't believe in superstitions here. Uh, let's see here. It, people believe it's lucky to pick up a four-leafed clover, which we don't really have clover on Guam, I don't think. Breaking a mirror theoretically brings seven years of bad luck. The number four is lucky to some people, and 13 is unlucky. Even many hotels and buildings do not have a 13th floor because no one would want to stay there because there are enough superstitious people out there. Uh, let's see here. Friday is unlucky to some. Friday the 13th is very unlucky, like last week. A lot of people believe that that's an unlucky day. And touching a toad brings warts, okay? And then um, what you have to do is if you touch a toad, you might get warts because it's unlucky. But if you hurry up and pick up a penny, you won't get the warts because that is lucky. As long as it's heads up, which is lucky, but if it's tails is unlucky, then you got double unlucky luck because you picked up a toad and then you picked up a penny with tails up and then you broke a mirror and then it was because you're born on a Wednesday I guess so anyway hey thanks Troy that's good superstitions I mean it's not good it's bad but it's good good info here's a couple turns of phrase now I've talked about a few of these in the past but since we know that we only retain like 10 to 20 percent of what we hear it's worth repeating and then I have a new one to add in the two I've talked about before is, first off, the Morton's Fork. You know what a Morton's Fork is, right? This is when you are forced to decide between two equally unpleasant options because a rock and a hard, like a rock and a hard place. So uh, this supposedly comes, according to Wikipedia, from John Morton, Lord Chancellor of England in 1487, under the rule of Henry VII. His approach was that the subject lived in luxury and had clearly spent a lot of money on himself. He obviously had sufficient income to spare uh, for the king. Alternatively, if the subject lived frugally and showed no sign of being wealthy, he must have substantial savings and could therefore afford to give to the king. These arguments were the two prongs of the fork, regardless of whether the subject was rich or poor. He did not have a favorable choice. So that's a Morton's fork. How about this? A catch-22 is a situation where you need something that can only be acquired by not being in the situation you find yourself in. The phrase came from uh, the book by the same name. Okay, The cliff notes on the book, Air Force pilot wished to be grounded from combat flight duty. To be grounded, he must be officially evaluated by the squadron's flight surgeon and then be found unfit to fly. Unfit would... Uh, be any pilot who is actually willing to fly such dangerous missions as one would have to be mad to want to take on such missions. But the problem is that to be declared unfit, he must first ask for the evaluation, which is considered as a sufficient proof for being declared sane. These conditions make it impossible to be declared unfit. The catch-22 is that anyone who wants to get out of combat duty isn't really crazy. Hence, pilots who request a fitness evaluation are sane and therefore must fly in combat. 
At the same time, if an evaluation is not requested by the pilot, he will never receive one and can never be found insane, meaning he must also fly combat. Therefore, a catch-22 ensures that no pilot can ever be grounded for being insane, even if he were. Catch-22. But here's the new one. This one is one I just recently heard. And maybe you've heard it said a little different way. But it's called Birdian's Donkey. Birdian's Donkey. Birdian's Donkey is when you find yourself in a difficult decision between two equally appealing options. The decision-making process is is so slow, you'd be better off just picking one. Let's assume that the donkey always goes to eat hay closest to him. In our fictional scenario, the donkey walks into a barn and finds himself equal distance between two identical bales of hay. Unable to make a decision which hay to eat, the donkey remains in the same spot and starves to death. This one is named after a 14th century philosopher, Jean Burdian, um, although Aristotle had written about the same thing first, way before that, and is often quoted as, a, as an exhibit to the folly of politicians, basically trying to decide between two equally good things and never making a decision, and you end up starving to death and missing your opportunity. Burdian's donkey. There you go. A couple different turns of phrase there for you, so... That was fun. Let's take a short break. When we come back, a little stranger than fiction, this day in history, what's in my coffee, and more, including special guests, second hour. So stick around, more live till five after this short break. My name's Jared Baldwin, episode 261 on this Friday, April 20th. See you in a few minutes. And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. 3.40 p.m. on this Friday, April 20th, here at the KHMG Studios, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. This is Live Till 5, episode 261. Our topic today is what I affectionately call the junk drawer. Do any of you have a junk drawer? Is that just a Missouri thing or a Baldwin thing or a Joe and Marla Baldwin thing? I'm not sure if that translates to anyone else's home. We have a junk drawer. I know it has to be before Joe and Marla Baldwin because my grandmother Mary also had a junk drawer. So Grandma Mary had a junk drawer, which we would rifle through. So you don't just open a junk drawer, you rifle through it. You dig through for pennies and quarters, batteries. Usually they're already dead batteries. We rifle through the junk drawer for, sometimes for scotch tape, which that really dates me. Scotch tape. Did you guys call it scotch tape? Of course. Did you have a junk drawer? Uh, Yes. I don't know that we called it a junk drawer, but my mom would always say if to indicate that you were too aggressive and a little nosy. Okay. She would use the word rifle. You rifle. Okay. Yeah. So you're like, why are you oh, rifling through my rifling through? It was it was negative. It had negative yeah. connotations. That's what I do in my office mate's top drawer for change. Right. Yeah. I rifle. rifle through it. I right. rifle through it. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian, do you have a junk drawer in your apartment currently? 
I have like junk shelves. Shelves, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, yes. junk shelves. Shelf. Okay, shelves. okay. Yes. Forget about it. Yeah. Me, because I care more about what the outward than the inward. It's just a you know a terrible okay. theological flaw. Of yeah, mine. it is. Um, I have a junk drawer, but no junk shelf. I want things to be under the desk, out of sight. Open the drawer. Voila. I have, really, probably most of my drawers are junk drawers, but we have one specific drawer called the junk drawer. So my kids grew up thinking this is an official title. And I look back, my grandmother had a drawer called the junk drawer. Scotch tape, old batteries, uh, chewed up pens, um, brochures from local restaurants. Yes, and we have that. Expired yes. coupons. Absolutely. Um, we some have coins that. sometimes, like change, a couple old receipts. Uh, the instructions for how to operate the ice maker on your refrigerator. Lawrence, yeah. do you guys have a junk drawer? About three. Three? Okay. Whoa. All right. What? You got pennies in there as well. That's yeah, extreme. pennies. Where else? Why Paper else clips. do you need pennies? Where, where do you, what do you have in your junk drawer, Lawrence? Um, a couple instruction manuals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like what? Like the Instapot instruction manual? Um, not Instant Pot. That's in a different drawer. Okay. Um, that's actually in the box. I bread maker. Still. Okay. Perhaps no, my coffee maker. maker. Coffee maker. And yeah. the Cuisinart. Just in case yeah. you forget um, how to use your coffee maker. The, yeah, actually, it is helpful because lights will come on, and I'm not entirely sure oh, how to get rid of them. Oh, because you have a fancy coffee maker. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's sort of fancy. Um, and then uh, the other one we have in there is the one where you can heat the tea. Okay. Uh, yeah. Water up, uh-huh. and it doesn't boil it because that burns the tea. Okay. So it's very specific about the temperature it holds, and okay. the instruction manuals in there for that. Okay. And then uh, super glue. What else glue, you keep in there? Super glue. Cap, oh, yes. Caps to various and a sundry things. Yep. Both alive and dead batteries. Yep. Um, yes. You know, those What's are What's the all, ratio of alive to dead batteries in your drink? Uh, probably a one-to-one. One-to-one. There you go. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of like a game, right? You're it's looking true. for remote yeah. control yeah. batteries. And they're and not you're like, V9, so you can lick it and find out. No. You know? And, so, and you end up, good. what do you do? After you find out one's dead, you throw it back in the junk drawer. Yeah, exactly. And and you leave it as a present for the next person that comes present along. for the next person. Yep. Well, you want them to have the same experience you had. Sure, of course. By the way, if you're not, if it, with the if you go through the junk drawer, and it's not a negative connotation, like mm-hmm. you're rifling through it. You're rifling. You can rummage through it. You can rummage through the junk drawer. That's yeah. exactly so right. So if you're not in as big of a hurry, right? You rummage through it. Right. Yeah. But if if it's desperate. You rifle through it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. If, if the ice cream man is coming down the street yeah, it's a and rifle, you're 27 sure. cents short from being able to buy a bomb pop, you're rifling through the junk drawer at grandma's house. If if it's just like, you know, hey, I'm, I was looking for a little of that blue painter's tape the other day and I just kind of rummaged through the drawer, you yeah. know, or I just got curious what's in here. Oh, okay. Those little felt foot things for furniture. There you go. Yeah. Scrounge. Is another. Scrounge. You scrounge yeah. through there, the junk drawer. There's another yeah. one. Well, and that's the theme of the show today is junk drawer. So it's just all the different random things you find in there. Some yeah, of them that are could dead. could be described of this show. Some, you know? That's exact. This, this show should be, you know, junk drawer till five. It yeah. just doesn't roll off the tongue. Junk drawer till five. Yes. I don't even know if you need so, the five. It's the topic. Junk it's drawer. just the topic for today is the junk drawer. And so we're going to have a little quiz with Sebastian here in a minute that fits that theme. But first, I did want to just uh, point out that this segment is brought to us by The Hub, best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees, teas, baked goods, few gift items, a lot of Eagle apparel for Harvest Christian Academy. If you got any school spirit at all, stop by The Hub where you can buy these drinks and many other things. Let's play a little What's My Coffee, where the baristas and the bristers 
I don't know if there's a male and female version of barista. That, that sounds like you you have an accent. Barista. Yeah, I'm going to go barista. barista. Yeah, I was going to say barista. 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 Baristas. Baristics. But I don't, think like a, a burrito. I don't think Italian Barista. works the same way as Spanish. You don't think so? No. I don't, you know, the us and the os. <clears throat> You're probably maybe, right. Maybe it does. It's probably just maybe baristas or barista. It's probably that way. But anyway, the people that work down there make us these drinks. We don't know what is in them, but we try to describe them to our listening audience so that they will go by and buy the same drinks. Or on occasion, depending on if it's a drink that is a new concoction, we're giving constructive feedback that... Maybe maybe we don't like it as much as they thought we would. All you're going to have to do is rifle through your junk drawer. You'll have enough money in that's there. That's right. That's where. Come that's probably where your little something. that little uh, the little gift card you had to the coffee shop for it's in for there. some something you got on your birthday. Yeah, you rifle through, and you get in there. You still have 12 minutes before it closes today because it's 3:48 on Friday afternoon. Okay, let's play a little. What's in my coffee, Chris? What does yours taste like? I have a hot drink. I I kind of I kind of prefer the hot drinks. And this seems like a latte, a coffee drink. Um, it's in one of the one of the. I'm, I haven't described the cup. I don't know that we've described the cups before. If you haven't seen the hub cups, they're dark brown on the bottom with sort of a wave pattern, hmm. and then Never a light brown on top. Yeah, and they say hot cocoa, coffee, cafe latte, espresso. Various other drink names. Hmm. I think those are the only drink names. But anyway, then they have some little coffee beans. Yep. So I noticed that today for some reason, which I usually don't. Sure. But in this case, I noticed because it was a hot drink. It's a it's a flavored latte of some sort. Okay. And it has a sweet flavor. It's probably going to be caramel, right, or yes. caramel. It could be both. <laughs> yeah. Could be both. Could be both. It's probably going to be caramel because. Usually when we say it might be caramel, but it's not, it usually is. Usually is, usually yep. is. It, Either that or it's passion fruit. No, no, you said it. <laughs> and we know that there's no passion fruit in there. No, no, no now I said it. Latte. Okay, uh, no. Sebastian. Well, um, since we're describing cups, mine is like a thin glass window that had missed uh, recently passed through the area onto... You know, it, it was constructed you, better in my head. You worked for the wrong speaking. radio station. <laughs> right up the dial from Harvest Family Radio, there's a radio station where you could read poetry with that voice <laughs> every yeah. night from 8 to 9 p.m. doesn't have to be good poetry. No, as a matter of fact, it probably is. Yeah, but your voice will ago. sell it. Okay, what yeah, does it taste well, like? All right, well, um, I, I believe this is a calamansi, but I do also believe this is a mintmansi. If you remember oh. my very vivid demonstration... Um, uh, story I gave last time about the the, ski, yeah. the snowboarder yes. unnecessary yeah. went down Tragic. the hill and yep uh, right but that was a strawberry one this is a, a mint mm-hmm. this is a mint Monty. mint Monty. Sure. with mint they may even have Lacroix ah uh, maybe as the base maybe uh, gross yeah I know <laughs> your wife likes those she does I do not. <laughs> It's All one right. of those things you buy for the home that you guaranteed to have every one of them. Yep. That's LaCroix for my there wife. There you go. All right. I won't touch a one. <laughs> yep. Okay. So uh, speaking of drinks you do like, what about the one you're holding in front of you now? Um, here's the best way I can uh, I, I can describe this. You've all been in those 
break room coffee shops that you put 25 cents in, 45 cents in, the little plastic cup pops out. Yes. And then whatever you put in there comes in and then you grab it out and, you know, caution hot. Yes. Okay. It's usually like a, a police waiting area. Yeah. Like, yeah. Waiting. In fact, down at, down <laughs> at, at Calvo's. Bail out somebody. Yeah, since I've been there so yes. much. Down there at Calvo's, they have one for at the auto insurance. They had one. Uh, but the place that I think of is I worked for D&W uh, windows and awning, mm-hmm. making windows. And they had one in the break room yep. that I got pretty much every morning the cup with a drops down. Yep, and then the you, cup first, and then yep, yep. and then <laughs> glad our sound effects are on on, on uh, synchronization there. And then uh, I would get a uh, I don't know seventy five cent, <laughs> eighty cent back in the day, uh, cinnamon and brown sugar pop tart. Oh. Heat that up, a little uh, cappuccino, warm, and then we'd go sit in the foam, um, these foam stacks. In the back of this shed that they had, because they, they made all their awnings. I'm not going to get into all that, but it was really comfy. We made a fort back there. I won't tell you how old I was. I'm not old enough to have a job. Yeah. And, uh, and You've we come a long way, baby. <laughs> we ate our Pop-Tarts and coffee. <laughs> that being said, this is like a souped-up version of this, a French vanilla cappuccino. Okay. However... Uh, they make cappuccinos correct down there, which is just supposed to be the coffee and foam mm-hmm. as opposed to the yep. milk and foam yep. and milk and coffee. This, I believe, is a French vanilla latte. Okay. Uh, very milkier. delicious. More milk. More milk. milk. Yep. Well, it's a full cup. When yeah. you get the cappuccino, it's yeah. like it, I was is this disappointed. Full? The first time I got a cappuccino, I was I was disappointed. I was at Barnes and Noble Starbucks yeah. and I got it's it. It's half full. And I was like, What's what's this? There should be five more ounces of fluid. Yeah, that's because the the gas station and break room they coffee totally ruined it for me. That's not cappuccino, right? Those are I lattes. Was, I pictured like a goldfish bowl size yeah. uh, hot drink, and I got more like a thimbleful. Anyway, does it taste good? It's very good. It, as, as I said, it's a souped up or better version of, but that initial flavor profile that comes in. It's, I'm in the break room. Mm, All right, flavor profile. Thanks well, a latte for that discussion. <laughs> I have uh, iced. <laughs> Uh, sparkling, uh, fruity, splashy, has a calamansi, has, definitely has a lemon, but it also has a citrus. I think it might be calamansi pineapple. I'm not sure. Let's do the big reveal. Listening audience at home, we're now going to reveal the drinks. Number one. That's you. Oh, <laughs> it's a cran raspberry LaCroix. Pa- oh, the fruit that will not be mentioned. <laughs> calamansi. No That's way. That's a complex drink. There's passion fruit in there. And yes, there is. Thank you for pointing it out. Yeah, I said it. You are what you eat. Number two, a mint monsi with tangerine LaCroix. I knew it. I, I like these it. LaCroix drinks. It makes it more complex. It adds a little saltiness to it. I like Wait a minute. It. Wait a minute. Did you know they were putting LaCroix in there? Did not. Or did you just guess I, that I on the flavor? They were, I said that they're LaCroix. Because wow. last week they well, did say LaCroix well, I, on oh, one of the drinks. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if you plucked that out of your taste bud, that they just oh. randomly started. Plucked that out of your taste bud. Yeah, yeah. that would be. I don't think I've that ever seen that. Like it would have seen that or heard that. out of here. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> Chris, are you number three or is that you? I'm number you're, three. You're number three. Mint mocha. Mint mocha. Mint mocha. A mint mocha? Mint mocha. <laughs> yep. Neither of those flavors came through. Mint wow. and mocha. If I have a mint mocha, I'm in trouble. I, I still don't taste any chocolate. Yeah. I don't, no. I don't taste the chocolate. The mint, you know, mint has like this numbing effect. So it's like drinking anesthesia with it caffeine. Is? That it is. Terrible. So you can't feel it. It's just like, it's and then later on, you're like, your body falls I think asleep. I just had a mocha, but boy, my stomach says mocha, but my tongue says toothpaste. Anyway, I'm sure it's great. And uh, Lawrence, the drink whisperer, he has a creamy vanilla bean. Oh, okay. There you go. I so, love those. those yeah, great. French vanilla. 
And uh, when I read Troy, so Troy, one of our faithful listeners, and maybe one of the youngest contributors to the show to mm. date, he, except for maybe Steven. I think the first to sing Steven. a solo on the show as well. He, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, he has been a regular contributor, and he just gave me a list of superstitions, of course, which we say, ha, like we don't believe in superstitions. But the number four is unlucky, according to Myth, uh, Mythbusters superstitions. And you have drink number four. So I'm feeling okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's far. fine. And, you know, I won't I, step on any cracks or cross a black cat no, today, just to be sure. But. Don't don't break any mirrors. Mm-mm. And last week was Friday the Thirteenth, which is a big yeah. no no. Glad for a that's lot of people. not today. Who? Yeah, you, you left early last Friday week. The 13th. How did that go? Yeah, good actually, just fine. Was was that? Um, no were you problems. doing fencing lessons or what was that you were going to? No, that that was a doctor's visit. Oh, okay, uh, all right. About uh, as, I don't know. About as easily exciting. Easily confused. About as exciting. There, actually, you, there is a actually, Guam fencing federation. Is, no, I went, really? Yes, I always wanted to get into fencing. The doctor, it's right down the street. The what? doctor I went yep. and saw, uh, or went and visited, is. Uh, we ended up talking 20 to 30 minutes about the fact that it was like having a conversation with Chris. I kid you not. The that whole good. thing. Well, here's why. Is he came in. He's from a country. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say in a minute. He's from a country that's very big on their soccer, which is okay. point one. Number two, I, I, I got talking to him just about the country itself, which later led to Oh, so this is a big deal for you. He's from Iceland. So we, we start talking. That and, was an unexpected twist in no, this story. No, you know, <laughs> you, you thought it was going to be Argentina or Portugal or something. Iceland. But we started talking about how they beat England, you know, uh, what, two years ago now, almost two years ago, yeah. and how he was out driving. He was actually in Iceland when that happened, and he was about four hours from his home, and and the game was on in about three, so in three hours. So he like... He's like, I don't think I ever let my foot off the pedal. And in the four hours of driving, three hours of driving, actually, he saw like two cars, he said. Everybody was in a home. The whole country was, was in, in a home. Yes. Because yep. there's only like 330,000 people. Yep. And they have a soccer team that's legit. Mm-hmm. So that went on to say, I said, so what are you doing this summer? Going back to Iceland? He's like, yeah, we are. He's like, then I'm going to Russia. And I was like, ah, Russia. Wow. And he went on to talk about the fact that he won tickets to go to the Iceland not one, but it's a lottery process, and then you pay. Mm-hmm. But So he's going to the very first World Cup game for Iceland versus Argentina. Uh, wow. Yeah. Tough game. Yeah. Tough game Real to start tough. with. But wow. in their group, they've got a great shot at coming out. They do. He, he, it's Croatia and Nigeria, I believe, is in their group. Yeah, but Croatia is also good. They're yeah. a sleeper, yeah. 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 They're a sleeper. But still, I mean. They got they, a they shot, have, though. Yeah. Yeah, it, it all comes down to how well uh, any given day. So anyways, he's going – and um, and it was it was a pretty fun conversation. So then we got to the matters at hand, but yeah, <laughs> that was so a good uh, twenty five minutes. There cannot be very many Icelandic doctors on Probably Guam. Probably not. Probably not. Maybe only one. Probably. Yeah. If we were looking at ratios, w- would you know? You don't have to give his name, but by just looking at his name on the plaque on his door, would you think? Oh, this guy's probably from Iceland? Yes. Okay, all right, all right, got it. Yes. If you saw him in a crowd, you don't have to say his name, but if you saw him in a crowd at Tomorrow <laughs> Village... Just from the distance, and you didn't have your glasses on. Does he look like he's would from you there? Lo- would, would you say, oh, he might be from Iceland? No. No, because no, I would look at him and think he could have been my neighbor in Michigan. Okay, right. all right, one more question. So if if you were talking to him, but you weren't really paying attention, you just heard his accent, you don't have to say his name, uh, <laughs> would you 
think, oh, this guy has an Icelandic accent? Uh, it's not heavy. That's because if I closed my eyes, I could have been talking to Chris. That's oh. the crazy part. He, he, like their speech about soccer was so identical. Wow. It was so funny. Wow. Different, so, different voices. So but the uh, way uh, they talked about it. A measured intensity. The level of excitement. Yeah. <laughs> the level of excitement. <laughs> exactly. And, and as we got closer to the climax of the story, which was the World Cup this summer, yep. uh, it was an exciting time. So uh, as, as would be for Chris, if he was from a country of 330,000 people and they were playing Argentina in, in the big league there, the World wow. Cup, the big wow. big show. I don't know what it's called. The big Just, show. That's, that's the baseball. World Cup. The World Madness, Cup. That's yeah. all it needs yeah. to be. Okay. The big right. show. Well, the big dance. You know, I'm glad. Thanks for filling us in on uh, uh, why you weren't here for the second hour last yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, I'm glad. Now, put that to bed. Yeah. Well, and now we know there's an Icelandic doctor on Guam and uh, that he's a huge, huge. soccer fan. He is. He he's is. probably so huge he calls it football. At, oh, 100%. And it always throws me for a loop when I initially hear that. Every time I think he all of a sudden jumped over into American football, I'm like, oh, no, no, we're still talking soccer. Nice, nice. Well, with this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break for the news. I have a special guest coming in second hour. We're going to do our quiz at the beginning of the second hour as well with our special guest because I believe I saw him hovering around the outsides of the studio here. So take a short break for the news. Listeners, stick around. This is episode 261 of Live Till 5, April 20th. You're listening to us on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for SRN News and a second hour of Live Till 5. With a little more Live Till 5, second hour of Live Till 5 today, episode 261 on this Friday, April 20th. Glad to have you with us broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. Our two-hour live talking variety program every Friday afternoon, a little light look at life. Glad to have you with us. Some of you might be driving home from car line. You picked your kids up from school. You're in the car. You're driving home. Hello to you, kids. Hello, you can always come up and tell me you listen to the show. I love it when uh, kids stop me in the hallway or in front of the coffee shop and say, Oh, Mr. Baldwin, Pastor Baldwin, I love your show. Actually, it's never happened. But if any of you kids would like to start that tradition, I would just be thrilled by that. I do hear from kids now and then, including Troy, our youngest contributor. So thank you again, Troy, for all that cool stuff you submitted in the first hour. We do have a special guest in studio with us, Gary Walton from Bibles International. Gary, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Pastor Jared. Awesome. Uh, Gary's going to be talking in a little bit about his recent trip from India, Myanmar border, or Myanmar. Myanmar. People that aren't from Missouri say it correctly, and then everyone from Missouri, we say my, because it looks like like my, like that's my Myanmar. You know what I mean? Chris understands. He's a linguist. 
wordsmith. Yeah. He hears me mispronounce things every week, so he's he's on it. Sebastian's here with the quiz, which we're going to get into here shortly. And, of course, Chris still here, all-around good guy and station manager. Lawrence had to jet. I think he had – it's like square dancing, advanced square dancing. I can't remember. He's yeah. he's taking lessons for something. With I'm fencing. Not sure. Yes, yeah. it, with fencing, yeah. it is. It's the uh, – Yes. <laughs> oh, that type. Yeah, it's, of yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a. It's a very. It's a. Very it's like it's, MMA, but with weapons. Yeah. And music. Oh. <laughs> Hoedown music. It's okay. great. It's great. Yeah. So, he is a. He is a renaissance man. He. He really is. Uh, he's. A, he plays the flute. It's actually plays the, the lute. The but, lute. Yes. Same but thing. he plays yeah. it. Uh, very. You know, vigorously. So anyway, hey, uh, Sebastian's here with the quiz, and we're going to play it right now. We're going to play his little epic quiz music. I hope you're ready, because this is the world's most useless quiz. And it's about useless things. Thank you. You just described much of my uh, radio existence. (laughs) All right, hit us with the quiz. All right, well, how this works is I'll just ask a question, and we'll just go around like this. Uh, Chris will answer, Jared will answer, then Gary, you can answer. For our listening audience, that is from Sebastian's left to his right. Yes, that's... I was motioning with my hands, but I forgot you can't see. Clockwise. That's right. Clockwise. So, all right, here we go. You ready for this? The world's most useless quiz? Okay. I know you are. Question number one. The lion suit in the movie The Wizard of Oz was made of horses, Mm. donkeys, goats, or lions. Hmm. The lion suit from The Wizard of Oz. This... Probably wouldn't. This probably is not a politically correct no. answer, no matter what the, the what the, the real answer is. The uh, the lines are are lighting up right now from PETA yeah, PETA exactly. activists. Um, <laughs> can you give me that list again? Horses, donkeys, goats, or lions? You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say donkeys. Well, I think the horses a of a different color were made from lion skins, and so that means the lion suit was made from horse skin. I think the horses of a different color were actual horses. I, you know, there's there's all kinds of fan theories on that. You've I'm going to say both ways. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I would say horses because that just sounds so odd. Mm, okay. Well, it sounds to me like all the other choices are chosen, so I better say goats. Goats. Yeah. Mm. All right. Now, you can choose the same thing, but if we all choose the same thing, and even if we get it right, there's no points of it. A okay. cancellation so, scoring. Yes. I'll go out on my own on this it's, one. It's, it's Westchester rules. All right. Post-18. Congrats. You all earned nothing because it is Lions. Is it really? really? Yeah. I, I searched it up. I fact-checked this. Yeah. <laughs> Google that. What? Yeah. Why start now? And, and from, <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, the, really? the the thing sold for more than three million dollars at a really? New York City auction. That's Whoa. amazing. Yeah. I, wow, that's Isn't the that first cool, quiz question I've had a smile on my face, and I'm like, I feel guilty, but that is just so interesting. Made wow. from actual lions. Yeah. This is I'm not probably going to share place. that with people over and over again the rest of my life. I hope you are absolutely true on that because that's going to stick with hey, me. Hey. To the best of my and Google's yep. knowledge, yep. All okay. right, next question. The first product ever to have its barcode scanned hmm. was a Cadbury Easter egg, a bag of frozen peas, bird's eye fish fingers, and Wrigley's gum. Um, you know, the Cadbury egg sounds very specific, and so there's something about that answer that appeals to me, but it's a wild guess. A bag of frozen peas is specific. Um, I would that. say uh, 
The Vandy Camp Fish Fingers. <laughs> and I, it's got to be Wrigley Gum. I mean, that's back in the era, so Wrigley Gum. Good job, Gary. That's Wrigley's oh, Gum. Wow. <laughs> Good try. I mean, everybody congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Good guess. Here we go. Next question. All right, we're you ready. Go, we're ready. All right. The Mona Lisa does not have what? Eyelashes? A correctly colored iris, any sign of cheekbones or eyebrows. I I don't notice the cheekbones, but yeah, I'm gonna say cheekbones. I'm gonna say a correctly colored iris because mm. that is like like Chris in the last one so specific. But you got it wrong, so maybe that's wrong yeah. too. But <laughs> co- correctly colored iris. Well, I'm trying to picture this, and I think there's eyebrows. So, uh, but I don't remember the eyelashes, so I'm going to go with that. It's actually reversed. There are no eyebrows. I, I actually looked really? at the Mona Lisa as well. I was like, yeah, there actually isn't any eyebrows. It was the fashion in Renaissance Florence, uh, Florence to shave them off. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, you guys are really being tested here with your uh, Yeah, I, I thought I had more random information <laughs> in me than I I mean, I will after this quiz for sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No eyebrows on the Mona Lisa. Yep. Look it up right now if you're listening, if you don't believe me. The average <laughs> chocolate bar has eight what in it? Liters of milk, cocoa beans, spiders, or insect parts? Spiders or insect parts? Well, I refuse to believe both of those. <laughs> yeah, even if it's true, I'm not going <laughs> to. Even if it's true, I will question your research on the two of those. So... Uh, what was the first one? How many liters li- of milk? Eight liters of milk. Cocoa beans. Boy, that seems like a lot, but I know it does have milk in it. Yeah, and if you're making a vat of chocolate. I mean, maybe. Okay, I'm going to go with the milk one. I'm going to go with the cocoa beans. Milk, cocoa beans. I'll second the cocoa beans. Insect parts. No way. No way. It, okay, here, here, here it is. It is so difficult to make foods completely insect-free. That groups like the USA's Food and Drug Administration publish food defect levels, which state the maximum allowable number of contaminants, like insect fragments, um, are allowed in a product for it to be legally legally sold in the U.S. and have no effect on consumers. So there is a level that the F- the okay. FDA allows because okay. you can't completely make you know food what? without it. If it's dark chocolate, I'll still eat it. <laughs> you know what? This really bugs me. Oh, no. <laughs> this quiz. Uh, uh, oh, no. Tell you what. Oh, no. Man. All right. Here we, we go. Are, we remember, are stinking this uh, one And you know what? Someone's right now in <laughs> Guam bad. eating a chocolate bar, and then yep. they're like, uh. <laughs> yes. They, they stopped immediately or so looked so, at it very closely. And then they're like, ah, it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. Butterflies. Taste butterflies taste Are often with in chocolate bars. No, <laughs> <laughs> well maybe. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, butterflies taste with their antenna, feet, tips of their wings, or tongue. What do the butterflies taste? Well, with? I see. I, I've been photographing some butterflies once in a while, and I noticed that they don't really have to touch the flowers. I, I've noticed this somehow. They just sort of land on them and then leave. So I'm thinking it may be just uh, from observation, maybe feet. Could be. So one of us has to pick tongue because if it's tongue and no one, is, no one says tongue, we're going to all feel really dumb. So you dumb. feel like you have so to be So I one. will say tongue. I don't believe that's the answer. I, by conviction, I doubt it is. However, 
someone has to <laughs> say tongue. Holy so Spirit I really say convict tongue. you there. Huh? I say tongue. <laughs> Man, I really have no idea, but Chris's uh, study recently of butterflies seems to make a lot of sense to yeah. me, so I'm going to go with Chris. I'll say the feet. Yeah. Correct, you guys. It is the feet. I see. There's had to be something. You got to listen to smart people well, there, Pastor yeah. Jared. <laughs> yeah. See, they have taste we, we, sense. We've played oh. this game before. We've played this game before, and Chris, usually, if he feels strongly about something, there you go. Well, do, you want a, to, do you want to know why? Yeah. You should name that picture, Tasting with Feet. They I have a photograph on our Instagram, uh, the Harvest Family Radio Instagram, yeah. of a butterfly, and that's exactly what they keep doing. They keep landing, going yeah. off, landing, You thought they off. were just landing, but they were tasting. Right, I didn't know and that. And they're yeah. tasting because um, by standing on a leaf, they can taste to see if it's what the caterpillars can eat. Wow. So when they lay the eggs, uh, they'll be able to see if the the caterpillars can eat that. that this leaf. just became an educational show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's so fun, but unfortunately it has to come to an end because we have one more question. Okay, all right, there we go. Sorry to. Is there a score on this? Are oh yes, currently Chris has one point, Jared sitting at zero, and Gary at two. Well, Good that's job. why I wanted to ask. The so score. it's yours to lose. <laughs> it's yours to lose. Oh, all right, oh, here boy. we go. Pearls can dissolve in what? Salt water, hot water, vinegar, or melted cheese? Melted cheese. Oh, so specific. Come on. Oh, I, I'm going to say Killing vinegar. Killing me. Look, I, I've, I've recently done some cleaning with vinegar, and it is pretty, I don't know what you would call it. It's, 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 a, it's harsh to yes. some degree. Yep. yep. So. Apple cider vinegar supposedly I mean, will dissolve kidney stones even. Wow. Okay, and I'm pearls saying, are basically oysters, <laughs> kidney stones. All right. I'm, <laughs> so I'm saying vinegar. I will say vinegar, even though it's probably going to nullify the points and give Gary the win, but I'm going to say vinegar. <laughs> so the points work, like if I agree, it nullifies everything. So strategically, you yeah, win. that would be that would but be that doesn't sound like any fun at all. Yeah. If you don't, then it it'll does. be a tie between you and Chris. And Unless Chris gets memorable. it wrong also. It's possible Chris could get it wrong yeah. and Gary could get uh, it wrong. That's very possible. And I, and, but then I would also have gotten it wrong. Well, so the last thing that I want to do is follow along with the crowd. Although, again, Chris seems to be making a lot of sense. Um, uh, Chris is a what were the is other an amateur options? scientist. Salt water, hot water, and melted cheese. Well, it's not melted cheese, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, and it's not salt water. How would that you would even be a real that? problem. Yeah, what, who, I, who, I taste, who, test it. Have you ever chomped into a... Uh, um, uh, a pearl, a pearl in, in your melted cheese. No, yeah. you have it because maybe it melted it. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Like bug parts in chocolate. <laughs> exactly. Pearls per pint of cheese. <laughs> no, there's no way it can be hot water. That would be a real problem. I better go vinegar anyway. Way to secure that victory, Gary. <laughs> it is vinegar. <laughs> nice. Hey, that's a good quiz, Sebastian. Thanks. That, I mean, not. I don't. I shouldn't sound surprised. They're all good quizzes. Yeah. But that's a particularly good quiz. It Sebastian. was not useless. No, it was super helpful. Maybe. This is going to be conversation around the dinner table tonight. And I just have to tell you, this is my first quiz, and uh, all of you the won. accolades that you're giving it makes me wonder what the other ones were like. Well, you know, <laughs> they've, you know, we've had some that are great, and then we've had others, and we had this one, which was great. <laughs> very good. So, yeah, uh, Sebastian's very creative with these. So, uh, thank you for playing. We're going to take a short break. When we come back. One of our side topics today, Myanmar with Gary Walton, who just came from there. So stick around, listeners. More Live Till 5 after this short break. You're listening to us here on 88.1 FM. You can also catch us on khmg.org, khmg.org. Download the podcast or listen live to our stream there. 
Let us know you're listening through our Facebook page as well, Harvest Family Radio Guam. A little more live till five after this short break. back with a little more live till five this is your host jared baldwin it is the 20th of april 4 21 p.m on this friday if you ever miss the show tune in on saturdays from noon to two or sunday nights from seven to nine p.m catch us on the rebound we know many people can't just listen to two straight hours of radio you're just too busy you're running errands you're in and out of the car no problem Listen from noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights when we rebroadcast the show in its entirety. You can also download the entire podcast and listen at your leisure through khmg.org. And not just this show, but many other great shows we produce here at KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, Building Great Leaders with Dr. Les Olala, Living Redemptively with Dr. Douglas McLaughlin, Take Note with Chris Harper, um, Harvest Echoes, which are sermons that were preached here at Harvest in the past that we've archived and packaged to be able to use them on the air and uh, on our website, uh, and a number of other great programs, Harvest Time, Harvest Heart of Harvest Asia, a number of great programs. So we just want to make sure that you have access to all these great resources. Our ministry here, KHMG, is to help you develop a heart for God. We want to provide those resources to you. Did you know you can look for sermons about topics specific passages or by speaker name on our website and you can download those messages and listen to them as well as great resources for you in your own personal walk with the lord you can share those download the podcast of this show uh, post it to your social media we appreciate when you do that speaking of social media you can follow us on instagram twitter and then of course on facebook you can go to harvest family radio guam give us a thumbs up subscribe follow us and you'll get notifications anytime we upload something new post articles etc etc our website khmg.org again is a great way for you to contact us as well now join in studio you heard him in the last segment with the quiz when he kind of came in as a guest and then ended up dominating the quiz which will forever be known as sebastian's best quiz uh, Gary Walton with Bibles International. Gary, glad you could be with us today. Hey, Jared. It's good to be here again. I was here a, f- a few months ago. I had a chance to talk with Mr. Heron, Pastor Heron, and uh, it's always great to be here at Harvest. Yeah. Well, you know, you are one of the few people that uh, I know that has recently come from the region of India, Myanmar, and uh, just had your opportunity to speak there. I want to hear a little bit about that, but for our listeners... Uh, Myanmar, formerly called Burma, is, according to the World Watch list uh, put out by Open Doors, the 24th most difficult country in the world to be a Christian. So just below it uh, would be Nepal, Brunei, Qatar, or Qatar, Kazakhstan, Ethiopia, and just above my, Myanmar, I keep saying it wrong, uh, Malaysia, Tajikistan, uh, let's see here, Jordan, Laos, places like that. We've already gone through the first few over the last few weeks. Of course, number one is North Korea, number two, Afghanistan, number three, Somalia, etc. But a little bit about Myanmar from the Open Doors 
world watch list. And then I'd like to get your comments on on this, uh, Gary, since you've been there a couple of times. The source of persecution is religious nationalism. The population there is almost 55 million people. There are about 4.3 million Christians there. The main religion is Buddhism. The government there is Parliamentary Republic. And the leader is President Hitin Kia. And um, I think maybe he just stepped down uh, for health reasons, right? Um, And then basically, when it comes to the profile of persecution, they have all these different categories, violence, church life, national life, community, family, and private life. So the areas where it's a little less than some of the other countries is in the violence. It's only about at at a scale of 1 to 100. It's right in the middle as far as the violence level goes. But community life, 79% rating on the pressure that is placed on the community life. And then a very high pressure also placed on the uh, church life, family life, and private life. And the prayer points in this Open Doors catalog, it says, pray for persecuted Christian minorities, that they would lovingly minister to persecuted uh, Rohingya Muslims who are facing genocide. Pray that many hearts would be open to the truth of Christ. And then secondly, Christian converts from Islam and Buddhism face strong pressure to recant their faith. Pray these believers would have courage to face persecution and pray for increased religious freedom. What's been your experience there in Myanmar? Well, I've been uh, going to Myanmar for actually 20 years now. My first trip was in 1998. Uh, And in fact... The things that have happened politically in Myanmar over the last 20 years are really amazing. Uh, my first trip into Myanmar, uh, the country was heavily um, over, overrun in a lot of ways by military presence. Um, Christians and churches were, were very much underground. And uh, the gospel, though, was flourishing in some parts of the country. That first trip there, you know, you felt the presence of, uh, of military really on every corner. Um, and the reality that your presence in the capital city of Yangon was going to be watched. And so you knew that, uh, but you also felt it. And the believers felt that. They knew that as well. And yet, even in spite of that, uh, I have some great memories and experiences of uh, believers being pretty transparent about their faith. In fact, I have a lot of specific things that happened, but I remember one night in particular, um, in, even back in 1998, we were going to go to a little uh, house church Bible study on a weeknight. I remember traveling uh, with our host, uh, host pastor, down a little side street, and the Bible study is going to be held up on I think this the fifth or sixth floor of this little apartment building. And so we were walking up an outside set of stairs. And as we began walking up um, in the dark with all of the feelings that you'd experienced over the last couple of days with all the military presence and all of the underground things that the churches were doing. But in that stairwell, walking up in the stillness of that night, I could hear a group of believers singing. And I remember walking up step by step, each step going up those stairs, hearing it more and more clear. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't understand what they were singing, uh, and yet it was clear that they were praising God. And then uh, getting to the floor and opening up the door to this little apartment room with, I don't know, 30 or 40 uh, Burmese believers sitting on the floor in there, um, singing without uh, fear, although in my mind at least they should have. 
um, and uh, and then spending the evening, you know, fellowshipping and and teaching and praying and singing along with them. Uh, I'll I'll never forget that the boldness of these believers, in spite of what you could feel, you know, across the country. So that was the experience early on in uh, 1998. But over the last 20 years. Um, God has been doing some miraculous things as far as opening up the country to the gospel. Um, And there still is an underlying sense of apprehension, even among the believers. And there's things that are continuing um, to happen that that cause them to know that the position is always tenuous. Um, Yet uh, the doors opened up in, in some incredible ways. And, you know, maybe I can tell you some more about that, too. Yeah. Well, I remember when you were here a few months ago, uh, you had just been there for, I think it was uh, the completion or dedication yep. of a Bible translation, the Aka Indians, not to be confused with the Aka Indians of the Jim Elliott uh, fame from uh, South America, but uh, tell us a little bit about that, you know, that dynamic where you have groups of people who didn't have a copy of God's Word, now they do, or the, the types of projects that are being worked on right now to get the God, copy of God's Word into their hands. Yeah, actually, I was coming here uh, at at the end of two different um, things that were happening. Um, one was the dedication of uh, the Bibles International Translation Center and Guest House in the capital city of Yangon, Myanmar, which, again, 20 years ago is unheard of that we could even consider that. But today, by God's grace and the uh, ability of the country to open up, um, we have a... Tr- uh, beautiful translation center that's the hub of uh, eight or nine current translations all across Myanmar. And um, there are probably 50 people groups in Myanmar yet today that do not have a copy of the scripture. Mm. Um, and so that translation center is is going to be central to our burden for all of those people groups to be able to have scriptures in their own languages and in fact, if God continues to allow Yangon and Myanmar to open up in some of the ways that it has, you know, they're very, uh, Yangon's become pretty aggressive in trying to attract business from outside. And there's several countries that actually businessmen, specifically from China and some other places, are, are really very, very active in Yangon, uh, trying to come in at the, you know, ground floor. Um, but uh, we really think that Yangon has a possibility of being a, a central hub of that region of Southeast Asia, and it's uh, an ideal location. So our translation center is strategically located there. We feel like it's going to impact not just Myanmar over the coming 20 years, but um, but perhaps you know all around the region for for uh, gospels being translated and published in many of those countries. So that was the first thing, or one of the things. And the other thing that you just uh, asked about was the, uh, um, it wasn't actually the completion, but I met with our uh, translation team that's working on the Aka um, translation. And in fact, that is actually in, in Thailand. I met with them in northern oh, right. Thailand. Yeah. It was on the same trip. Um, but uh, there are believers in, in northern uh, uh, Thailand in one of the cities. And I'm always a little careful about talking about this, but the, the Aka people are spread out through um, several countries north of Thailand some of them very close to the gospel. Um, And there's a mountain range that runs through actually five five countries north of that, and the Akas are spread throughout those countries. Um, And uh, upwards of... The people group is so remote, this is an indication of that, that the estimates of how many 
uh, Akas uh, are in those mountains ranges from 500,000 to over 2 million. Wow. So today, with the ways that we count, that 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 the fact that there's such a discrepancy in their numbers tells us that we really can't tell. Um, we're just estimating, we're guessing. Um, but uh, those that know would say the numbers, you know, maybe up a, uh, closer to that 2 million or, or perhaps even more. And they're throughout those mountains, just in small little villages all throughout those countries, uh, separated by, by uh, country borders, and yet they would all still consider themselves, uh, you know, part of the Aka nation, the Aka people. And the translation project's fascinating because when you have people spread out through those regions, and even with the, the, uh, the country divisions that are made, over time, um, the language changes. And so there's some variance within each of those countries and each of those pockets. And so part of our desires to help the Aka people themselves, um, uh, we come alongside national partners, national teams, in order to produce a scripture. And uh, among the Akas, there is a uh, just a fantastic network of really capable people leading um, this translation. Um, and it's an attempt to uh, produce um, a, uh, a, a translation that could be standardized and standardize the language of the Akas so that all of the groups would be able to understand it and read it. And so it's, it's sort of a unique project linguistically in that way. Yeah, wow. It's, it's um, hard to believe when you're, when you're coming from an American mindset, uh, how many different people groups and then the languages within those people groups and their lack of access to a complete copy of God's Word. How many languages are out there estimated, and how many have copies of God's Word? Sure, there's uh, some are people are surprised by this, but there's over 7,000 distinct languages spoken around the world. That number varies a little bit depending on who's counting and, and how they define, you know, how similar certain languages are, but, but somewhere around 7,000. Uh, I think the best estimates are a little bit over that. And of that number, there's only about 800 of the 7,000 that have a complete scripture, uh, both an Old Testament and a New Testament. There's another 1,400 that have a New Testament. Um, and then there's, uh, I don't remember what the number is, maybe 300 or so that have limited scripture portions. So they might have a copy of the book of John in their language, or they might just have John chapter 3, or maybe even just a few verses uh, out of a book. But they have, they have some scripture in their language, and so you add them all up, and there's around 25, 2,600 of the 7,000 that have you know, even a portion of the scripture. Hmm. Um, at BI, we really want to talk about that 800 number. Uh, we believe strongly that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. We try to think about, so, so what if you were part of one of the language groups, let's say of the, the 1,400 groups that have a New Testament, um, but you don't have an Old Testament. And uh, so, you know, you, you read in your Bible, in Hebrews, about Moses and Abraham and some of these heroes of the faith, but you don't really know who they are. You may have heard a few stories. You might have seen a Bible story book that sort of gives an overview to help you. Um, but, uh, you know, your understanding of even your New Testament is, is hindered significantly. And I always like to think about the idea, um, you know, I don't know about, uh, about you, Pastor, but 
Um, there have been some times in my life where I've had to walk through what I call some deep water times. And in some of those deep treading water times, um, there are portions of the Bible that have been like a lifeline. And uh, Psalms is one of those. And I try to think about, so this, this people group, and, and sometimes when I say the word people group, it becomes sort of generic, doesn't really mean anything. If I could introduce you to the people, mm-hmm. <laughs> to the individuals, um, some of them believers, and they're going through the same types of challenges. And, and what, if, what if you didn't have the Psalms? What if you didn't have some of those uh, scriptures that have fed your soul and, and encouraged your heart and challenged you to, uh, to pursue our faithful God? Um, so, I'm, man, I'm burdened for that. There are people all around the world. In fact, uh, over 6,300, 6,200 uh, people groups on the, around the world, they don't have the privilege of having the Psalms. They don't have Proverbs. They don't have the book of Genesis, which is kind of this foundational text for all of life. Um, so the uh, burden of Bibles International is that um, in this day and age, when we have so many advantages um, in you know travel, world travel, which is you know just so much different than it ever has been before, and technology and the linguistic tools that are available, um, I, I've said this a lot of times. I think we sort of live in the golden age for Bible translation. The opportunities in front of us are so incredible. Uh, for what God, uh, I think, wants to do to reach these uh, remaining um, people groups without a scripture over the next, really, generation of translators. We, have, we live in a very, very unique age because of those advantages. Um, and so our burden is, uh, you know, it's, if God would allow us to be um, faithful, um, we want to see as many groups as possible that God would give us the opportunity to, to share the scriptures with them in a language that they understand. Wow, that's an awesome challenge, and it's enormous. Uh, and when you think of just the scope of how many people and how much work it takes, uh, we might have people listening to this broadcast that are thinking, how can I get involved? Uh, they might not be a linguist. They might not be able to go and move to a country full-time, I remember we had a secretary in Dublin, New Hampshire, Bonnie Bartelt, who would go and do some transcription or something to help with mm-hmm. these projects. I know our own Dr. Yo Sherado has gone and helped. Uh, can you give a breakdown of how do people get involved in helping with these types of projects? Yeah, well, um, first of all, um, it, I'm always amazed at the places and locations that uh, God calls out future Bibles International um, translation consultants and linguists. And uh, oftentimes it happens, you know, the first steps towards this happen when I'm talking with a group of young people or speaking to a church and there's a young person or a college student that sort of has um, an interest in some way or maybe even is noticing some specific uh, gifts and skills and languages. Uh, you know, maybe they're taking a foreign language in, in uh, school and they pick it up easy, easier than your, their other classmates. Or maybe they're in college and they're studying, you know, some original languages, some Hebrew and Greek, and they just get it. They're, they're excelling in those areas and they love it and they're interested. And they may be thinking, I have no idea, you know, necessarily, you know, how God's going to use this. But um, oftentimes that's the original seed that God plants to say, perhaps, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pieces that have to go into place in preparation to do this kind of work, but um, sometimes God uses simple interests like that to um, 
to begin to create a heart for Bible translation. And uh, so that's one thing that I always want to talk about because uh, those are open doors and there's a need. Um, and then there's, there's a number of other ways uh, to partner together with Bibles International or even other Bible translation societies. But um, uh, I was going to say this isn't easy. Um, it's never easy. It's sacrificial. But Bible translation is an, is an expensive process. And um, e- each of our translation projects... Uh, costs somewhere around a quarter million dollars and above. Um, there's uh, even just the printing part of it. I, I just got new figures from our projects department that said the new Bibles that we're getting ready to print, full Bibles are um, coming in. The quotes are coming into us about seven dollars a Bible. Um, so if you start talking about, um, you know, let's we're going to print ten thousand Bibles for a certain people group. You know, right there we're talking about seventy thousand dollars and. You know, we've got a project that we're finishing up now that's we're going to print 20,000 Bibles, and actually they're asking for 30,000. Um, and so those numbers just right off the bat start to add up. Um, but there's just, you know, a lot of other extensive costs that are involved. Sure, and just so getting them there. I mean, if you think about the transportation of printed material, I mean, yeah. you know, that's a plane load. 20,000 Bibles is a plane load tons and tons yep. you need a forklift to move these bibles around yep and they're sh- and typically shipped but uh, you know these are big containers that we're trying to yep. send um and and we're, we're not sending them to easy ports we're sending them to the you know these are remote places the the translation projects that still need to be done today are the ones that are hard to reach sure they're hard places um all the easy places and the easily translations they've been done um and that's one of the reasons why there's such a, a big number still to go at this point, because they're smaller people groups in more remote locations. And of course, you know, those things just add costs. You know, how do you get there along the process of your consultants construction, uh, con- um, uh, working together with the national teams? How do you travel back and forth? Um, you know, so all of those costs just uh, continue to increase. And um, But, uh, you know, BI, I think, has been... Uh, I think we can say with confidence, has been uh, careful stewards of the resources that God has provided. And um, uh, I can tell people with a lot of confidence that um, BI's uh, using what God has given us in very, very careful ways. And, and I think as a result of that, we have uh, you know, a number of people, churches, that have partnered together with BI saying, we can be a part of this. In fact, I've had several churches over the last uh, couple of years um, tell me something similar to this. You know, for, for the life of our church, whether it's, you know, 40 years or 50 years, uh, just recently a church that was celebrating their 110th anniversary, and in response to that 110th anniversary, they adopted a project, actually a pretty significant uh, part of a project. They partnered together with another church, and I was there as they were sort of finishing up what they had chosen to do and were um, presenting a check to Bibles International, and, and the pastor told the church family, um, said, you know, for for the history of our church, 110 years, I think that's what it was, where the scriptures have been the foundation of who we are for this many years, the opportunity that we have today to be involved, the you know, perhaps even one of the primary partners in allowing a scripture to go to another people group. The, they adopted a project in, uh, in Africa, in, 
in Mali, the Songhai Project, which is another fascinating story. Um, but uh, to be able to provide a scripture for the Songhai people um, is perhaps one of the most significant things our church has ever done. Um, he said, uh, you know, not only does it, does it uh, continue on the, on the mission, the privilege that we've had, the burden that we have for the scriptures, but this project is going to live for generations and impact the eternities of people for generations to come. Um, the scripture among the Songhai is going to outlive me, and it's going to outlive you. It might outlive our church. In fact, it's likely to, to outlive our church. And, and for, for years and years to come, if God is to tarry, um, God's word is con- going to continue to bear fruit among the Songhai people. And, wow. Man, that's a powerful, powerful testimony. Yeah, that's awesome. How can people find out more about Bibles International? Bibles International uh, website, um, www.biblesint.org. We'll tell you some more about the ministry. Um, there's opportunities to partner together. Um, you can send and uh, you can send a note. Uh, there's some contact points. In fact, you could send a note uh, specifically to me and say, "Hey, you know, I was thinking about Bibles International. How can I be a part of it?" And you'll find that contact information on that website. Excellent. All right, Gary Walton, president of Bibles International, uh, on his way back from Myanmar, Myanmar, Myanmar. in India. And I, I will say that wrong the rest of my life, I'm sure. So, uh, But Gary, thank you very much for coming up and sharing the burden and the blessing of what's happening with Bibles International. Hey, man, thanks for the chance. All right. Have a great weekend, Gary. And listeners, stick around. We have a, about 15 more minutes of Live Till 5. You're listening to us on this Friday afternoon, April 20th, 4.46 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. And I'm Jared Baldwin, episode 261. Be back in just a minute with Chris Harper and the news and a little more Live Till 5. back with a little more live till five it is 4 50 p.m on this friday afternoon april 20th chris harper all-around good guy and station manager and our news anchor today what's happening in the news chris well a few things you may have heard these on our srn news i know the one has been reported on uh, the first Uh, topic of the day, but this is a little bit of an update from srnnews.com, and that is that U.S. Federal Aviation Administration uh, said it will order inspections of at least 220 aircraft engines as investigators are focusing on a broken fan blade in an engine that exploded Tuesday on a Southwest Airlines flight. Now, mostly you probably heard about the explosion on the Southwest Airlines flight. That did kill a passenger. The regulators said late on Wednesday uh, they plan to finalize the airworthiness directive within the next two weeks. 
Now, the order, which was initially proposed in August following an engine failure in 2016, also on a Southwest Airlines flight, will require ultrasonic inspection within the next six months of fan blades on all of these CFM 56 7B engines. Uh, They have accrued, they will have to have accrued a certain number of takeoffs in order to be subject to the inspections. Uh, And some others uh, will need inspections within the next 18 months. So interesting. It's, It's actually the first... I think major uh, airline sort of disaster story that we've heard in a while, which is which is a great great thing. Uh, North Korea has expressed its desire for quote complete denuclearization unquote from the Korean Peninsula or of the Korean Peninsula, which would mean no nuclear weapons in South Korea and in North Korea, but they are not seeking uh, conditions such as U.S. troops withdrawing from the South first. So there's a couple of conflicting stories on that, because earlier in the day, I read a story saying they would be demanding that U.S. troops would leave the Korean Peninsula. But now the latest stories seem to be saying, apparently, that they're not going to demand that. But, of course... I heard that John Bolton, uh, his his tack on this was, if they say they want to denuclearize, his first two questions are, which port do we pull our ship into and which airfield do we land to take your nuclear weapons out of the country? Right. And anything short of that, no more discussion, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, of course, um, you don't immediately take North Korea at its word in a uh, diplomatic um yeah, conversation. They deserve that. North Korea has defended, this is previously, its weapons programs, which it pursues in defiance of UN Security Council resolutions as a necessary deterrent against perceived U.S. hostility. The United States stations about 28,500 troops in South Korea. This is, of course, uh, stemming from the 1950 to 1953 Korean War. I have a Uh, One of the rare sports stories, and that is that Manny Pacquiao believes he has, quote, a couple more fights left in him. That's not surprising. Before he retires, starting with the first contest for more than a year when he faces Argentine WBA welterweight champion Lucas Matisse in Kuala Lumpur this July. Matisse is 39 and four. He'll be making his first title defense, and he said he expected a big fight but believe, believes he has what it takes to keep his WBA welterweight crown. That's a tough first title defense, Manny Pacquiao. So I know there's a few of our listeners. We might have a few like fans. Out there's there. a few fans. Yes. I, I know some of them. Yes, here so, on yeah. Guam, Manny Pacquiao is is yeah. a star. He's a legend. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for the news, Chris. Really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, way to end on a high note. Unless you're an Argentine uh, boxing fan, then yeah. you're probably not real happy about you're what's going to happen. end with a punch in the face. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Chris, uh, what are you doing this weekend, by the way? Uh, I'm going to try to get out with my camera and take some photographs. I haven't done it in weeks now. Yep. And after doing it every day last year, I've been doing something different this year. I've been doing a, an audio devotional 
every day. That is, by the way, a lot harder than I'm doing sure. a photograph every day. Yeah. I didn't realize how much harder it is, but it's a lot harder to write, edit, and voice a devotional every day. But I've done 110 of them now, I think, or wow. 108 of them now, something like that. When will we start so, hearing those on the radio? Soon. I've got some more work to still do on them, but soon we're going to put the put those on. It'll be a two-minute audio devotional for Excellent. the radio. So. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. I, I'll do some photography this weekend, Yeah, uh, hopefully. Uh, will Steven get out with his camera as well? I'm getting him a new camera, and it's still on its way. I think okay. it's going on a boat, but it should be here soon. And I remember you guys talking about it. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great to, for him to have a new, you know, piece of equipment with some new lenses. Be yeah. cool. Yeah, so, great. Well, when he gets it and he gets out and uses it, maybe we'll have him back on the air to tell us his. Uh, oh, he sure. Can give us a little product review. Yeah. How about that? Well, it's an old camera, but you know, you know, he can we do should it. still, even though it's old, maybe ha- video him doing an unboxing. Oh, and we can put yeah. that on the on our Facebook page. We should do that, yeah, and then I'll interview him uh, the whatever the closest Friday is to the unboxing, and we'll talk about his new camera and what he's going to use it for and things like that. It'd be the first unboxing video in the history of Harvest Family Radio, but people love those. This is a show of firsts. <laughs> yeah, it is the show it of is. firsts, isn't yeah, it? Yes, absolutely. it is. All right, awesome. Well, Chris, you have a great weekend. Me I'm too. just going to close out the show for our listeners here, listeners. Just want to make sure that you know that uh, we really do appreciate you listening and participating in the show. We get texts and messages uh, all the time. Uh, We get private messages through Facebook. We get texts during the show. We get emails. We have people stopping by, people stopping us on the sidewalk or at church or out when we're out and about telling us that they listen to the show. We really, really appreciate that. We need that feedback. It lets us know that we're hitting our mark. If there's a suggestion you have for the show, please let us know. Contact us through Harvest Family Radio uh, on Facebook and send us a private message there. Follow us there. You'll get a lot of good updates, including when we upload new podcasts and things like that. Go to our website, khmg.org, and you can download podcasts, this show, other great shows. You can leave us a message through that. And then, of course... You can listen to the rebroadcast Saturdays from noon to 2, Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. You can catch us on the rebound as we rebroadcast this show in its entirety because we know it's hard to listen to two straight hours of radio sometimes, and so we want to make sure that you have a chance to catch the whole thing or to listen to it repeatedly, whatever helps you out. And so we appreciate you being part of this audience for 261 two-hour shows. Now, there's a slight disclaimer The first few shows, we did 90 minutes. We thought, hey, let's start at 3.30. Didn't make sense. After a while, we were like, no, we need to start at 3 o'clock. So the first few shows were only 90 minutes long. But after that, two hours of radio every Friday afternoon, live, local, trying to interview people, have a lot of fun. Hopefully, it's a lighthearted approach for your Friday afternoon as you're getting to the end of your work week. Some of you are still at work. We want to make you smile. We want to make you laugh. Hopefully, encourage you a little bit. And the last encouragement I can offer to you, of course, is to visit us here at Harvest Baptist Church. If you do not have a church home, come visit us at Harvest. Uh, Our services on Sunday mornings, 9.30 a.m. is our adult Bible fellowships and children's classes. 10.30 a.m. is our Sunday morning worship service. Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we have our family Bible hour. Everyone's invited to that. Wednesday nights, we have all kinds of classes, children's programs, teen programs, etc. And just a lot of things offered here at Harvest. Check us out at hbcguam.org, and you can find out all about Harvest and our service times. Now, if you're a part of a church that preaches the Word and that... 
uh, meets regularly and has you open the word and worships the Lord through song, through prayer, through reading and explaining God's word, be faithful to that group of believers. God has you there for a reason. And don't neglect assembling together. That's what the Bible says. Just want to encourage you to do that because, you know, it's very important for your own spiritual growth and you can be a blessing to someone else. And hopefully we're a blessing to you. You're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata Guam. This is Jared Baldwin, episode 261 of Live Till 5. Have a great weekend.